Hello and welcome to the Out of Space Games Podcast, episode 18. Uh, I have nothing witty to say for this cold open, so we'll just get started. Boo. My name is Jay. My name is Sean. I'm David. I'm Jared. And I'm Dean. been a while since we've gotten together it feels like we're getting later and later with these we have recorded a couple of call of cthulhu those are just being edited right now we got a bunch of things to talk about though so since we've last podcasted deadpool has come out a couple new trailers we'll offer our opinions about and we have had the chance to play a couple board games as well i think it's been more and more difficult to <laughs> stay on a, on a steady schedule we kind of mentioned it last podcast, but, you know, Jared's got the new baby. Dean got a new job. I ain't got shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were busy there for a while for the past couple months. Yep. Yeah. I know that these past, like, five, six weeks have been super busy just with work and stuff. And uh, David's been sick also, like, every single podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we can't do it because he's sick. So we're finally all healthy together. Some exciting news, Sean is flying in to Michigan tomorrow, so we'll try to record a a podcast live, you know, at least snippets of it, hopefully Show get everyone how ugly we are. What's up? None. <laughs> well, I was thinking too, since we use Google Hangout for this, we could always like broadcast these live. Um. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, Sean's flying in, so hopefully we'll, we'll get a video, maybe do one of the actual plays in person it changes the dynamic for sure i think it's probably going to be more awkward just because we're so used to podcasting the way we are right now online so yeah it'll definitely be interesting but yeah maybe one of these times i don't know if people wanted to see what (laughs) these sessions are actually like if i prepare really well maybe we should do the call of cthulhu one live sometime you know and let people (laughs) comment on it yeah as we're playing through like (laughs) Live hate. <laughs> Don't open that door. <laughs> so one of the things, um, I guess we'll talk about Cthulhu for a second. One of the things I think I've noticed in running a campaign is that in D&D and in other games that focus more on combat, that is a lot of the gameplay, right? You have encounters and you're fighting these enemies. In Call of Cthulhu, your investigations are the actual gameplay. You know what I mean? Because when I'm not giving you information, you're kind of looking for it. And there's encounters and stuff, but you do spend a lot of time in the library. So this episode that we just recorded, it's almost all information. And, you know, the rule book is recommending you try this out with your investigators, except they need to make the library use on a hard rule or extreme even sometimes just to get like snippets of information. And I don't know. You guys said it, it felt a little slow to you that way or like, well, I think it was all right. Like, um, playing it out but i feel like it'd be really boring to listen to because i think we we pretty much knew what we had to do like we had to go to the library and we had to research some shit but you know it still took us like 40 minutes because we had terrible dice rolls mm-hmm. and uh yeah you know like we, we weren't like lucking out so i don't know it, it felt like a lot of um work and not like a, a lot happened out of it 
Yeah, and it's difficult as a keeper what to give you in that sense because it's like I want to give you information to progress the story, but it can't be like, oh, you're going to get the information anyway. Let's just cut to it, you know. But anyways, just a slight commentary into Cthulhu. We'll keep those coming out, though. It's going to pick up real soon and be a lot of fun. Should we start with the board game then? Sure. All right, we'll we'll start with the one we actually got shipped. Uh, Pick the Lock. This is from the Portal Dragon. We talked about them in episode, I want to say 11 or 12. Sounds about right. But we had demoed Zephyr for them and other games. At the time, it was called Among Thieves. But when they finally launched the Kickstarter, they changed the name to Pick the Lock. So this is a small, like a poker deck size game. And it comes in an appropriately sized box as well. But the purpose of the game is, you know, you're all thieves uh, stealing from each other. Through a simple mechanic that you have numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, when it's your turn, if you were picking from the middle, you tried to um, not match each other. Like, if you were stealing, you didn't want to put the same number down as the other person. And if you were stealing from another person, you wanted to match the same number as them. Um, So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of just a quick party game. Like, there is some strategy involved, but it's more so just kind of a lot of luck. Yeah, the items are, like, cursed, so the more items you have, like, the worse off you are, because they each have, like, a negative effect against you. Yeah, so I think it, that was an interesting part. Like, you have these treasures in the middle that at first, you know, the first time you're playing it, you're like, well, I'm a thief, I want all these treasures. And as soon as you start to collect more, you're like, well, I, I can't, I lost certain abilities, right? So... Because it's it's based around these numbers, you might lose the ability to choose, I think, odd or like even mm-hmm. numbers or just limited in your options of, of what you could say. So, But at the end of the game, you wanted to score the most treasures as well. So it's like, as you got more, you, you could win the game, but it was also harder to hold on to them because people could steal them from you. One of the reasons I wanted to mention this game, they did something interesting with their Kickstarter where they had... Basically like a local store incentive where after you pledged for the game, you could choose a a store for local pickup. So they had contacted a handful of stores in different areas. They had met through conventions and basically worked it out so that they would send uh, a shipment instead of sending to each individual backer. You would save a couple of bucks if you chose to pick it up at this local store. And they tried to incentivize it as well if the store you know, hit a certain target goal, they would get extra free copies that they could either use as demos or, or sell, things like that. So I like that in the sense they were trying to include these local businesses and not just like... Undercut them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's cool. That's Is that like the first time that's that's been done or... It's the first I've heard of it. Like I know other Kickstarter campaigns, they try to have like retailer level discounts where, mm-hmm. you know, you can order in somewhat bulk, but... This one, it was straight up, like, just a pickup, so. Yeah, also, like, just getting people into the stores, that's, I don't know, that's a, that's a good thing. I don't know how board game stores are doing, but I know, like, comic book stores usually are suffering these days. So it's good that the geek community is going out to the stores. So, yeah, it's a fun little party game. I think it works well. Plays really fast. Uh, it's, it's more fun than we're making it sounding. Jared and I are both really <laughs> exhausted from a... <laughs> We had a crazy weekend, lack of sleep and whatever. So anyways, 
Sean. Speaking of comics. What are those? I'm reading The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. That's what I'm reading right now. Okay. Thanks for ruining my segue because I have no idea what that is and that's not what we're talking about at all. That, that is a fourth wall breaking Marvel comic. And speaking of that, Jay. So last episode, we talked about the Deadpool trailer that came out with the Super Bowl. And since then, Deadpool has come out. I think we've all been able to see it. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Deadpool. thought there was just enough dick jokes like like it wasn't there weren't too many I mean, just enough like <laughs> well because all right like dead <laughs> oh well perhaps if there was one or two more it would be way too like <laughs> what are you talking about that is how well, like, judges everything no i'm <laughs> yes I'm, <laughs> I'm all about how many dick jokes are in a movie that's why i hated the revenant not enough jimmy chonga yeah <laughs> um no, you know, because Deadpool's all about, like, inappropriate humor, and I didn't want the whole movie to be, like, you know, 13-year-old... Chimichanga. Like, I wanted there to be more than that, so I was glad in the sense that there were some, but that it wasn't, like... The humor was a little bit more varied than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was just... It was well-written. It's kind of part deconstruction, part parody of the whole comic book movie genre. Like, Deadpool from the comics, they got the essence of the character correct. There were a few, like, small changes where a lot of the depictions, Deadpool had, like, two voices inside his head. And eventually, that I think they wrote that out. But this movie, I think, wisely chose not to do that. And the humor, like Jared said, was definitely, they captured that. I think the writers of the Zombieland, they were the ones that wrote this. Oh, okay. But also, Ryan Reynolds helped pitch in with that. But going from the first appearance of Deadpool in the movies in Wolverine Origins to this, yeah, it's a, definitely a big step. Speaking of Wolverine Origins, I really liked a lot of the the uh, the nods to, like, well, I had the little Wolverine Origins Deadpool action figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great and stuff like that. Uh, I really liked the humor a lot. It Definitely had me laughing the whole time. I don't think I, I wish for more or less chimichanga. So I guess I can ad- agree with Jared about the amount of chimichanga. But I never really thought about it like that. They even had rubber chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. I think the movie was really like pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, That's like fair. it was a fun like movie to go see. You know, it wasn't amazing by any means. You know, it was it was entertaining, and that's what I wanted out of it. I wanted it to be entertaining and just kind of an R-rated comic book movie. Well, it's 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 also kind of amazing. I think they had like a fifty-eight million dollar budget, which I think most of these movies usually have one hundred fifty or more. And then they had like seven or eight million cut in the middle of shooting. So this right. first-time director, he managed to make everything look as good as any of the other comic book movies out there. So, yeah, props to Tim Miller. Yeah. Well, he was he was known for making opening sequences of movies, which is why the Yeah, Deadpool Blur Studios one. did the I think the the girl with the dragon tattoo opening and then mm-hmm. 
bunch of the video game cutscene trailers. Yeah, a ton of video game teaser trailers. Yeah, I don't know. It, I think it surprised me in some ways. Like, they actually went out and tried to make it, like, more than just a chimichanga movie. Yeah, because, like, the, I think the love interest is, it was a lot better done than any of the other Marvel or DC fair out there. You know, you, you kind of wanted the couple to make it through. Right. Yeah, and I think we got to see him uh, without the mask on a lot more than I thought we would. Um, but I, I think what worked with Deadpool and why he works when he does in the comics is by interacting with other heroes. You know what I mean? I don't think Deadpool himself is as strong when he doesn't have other comic book heroes in it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely needs someone to play off, um, especially like someone to annoy. Yeah, like Colossus, the... I think was awesome. You know, yeah, a... yeah, I finally did Colossus right. Yeah. I mean, Deadpool, because he's basically in on the joke, I mean, it almost is necessary to basically have another superhero to play the straight man. Yeah. You know, somebody who's like a super, being a superhero is a real serious thing. And Deadpool's basically like, yo, it's a comic book or whatever. Like, this is all ridiculous, you know, without that balance almost. I think that was the part I was the most worried about was either it was going to be too much Deadpool and just be really annoying the entire time, or they were going to walk that line just perfectly enough where I didn't feel like, you know, I should just leave this movie because this is getting on my nerves, but it didn't do that. You know, they, I mean, to their credit, it wasn't just with, um, Colossus. I mean, they use their love story, quote unquote, to Mm -hmm. help balance it, you know, that it was just serious enough to Deadpool, the character that it never really seemed ridiculous you know yeah i just think it's um uh, going back to the writing they understood deadpool they understood all his you know his crew and they cast it well and um it's just really about understanding the property yeah it just felt like they made a movie about the character instead of trying to be like how can we sell tickets by using more jimmy changa or more fourth wall breaks if they had just like just the right amount of mix to make us feel natural within that universe, in that world, in that character. Yeah. My only hope is that for the sequel, they do something a little more innovative. Because it, as like good as it was, it still felt safe in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. One, th- one yeah. thing I'm worried about, and I've seen some articles that kind of speak to this fact, is like that movie studios will see this and be like, oh, we need to just put out like an R-rated oh, yeah. movie. And with just like, you know, a whole bunch of F-bombs and, you know, Jimmy Changa just to like, you know, <laughs> make money. And they're going to like, it's not, they're just going to force feed it. Like, I don't know. They're going to have. I thought you were going to drop an F-bomb there. Just cause I, I almost <laughs> did. And then I caught myself. <laughs> force feed it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was James, James Gunn was the one that was stating this um, about how the industry, a lot of the executives don't understand the. <laughs> The lesson of this success. I mean, that's why Zack Snyder is still making movies anyways. <laughs> right. They're going to have, like, a crappy superhero like uh, Spider-Man or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like, just, you know, like, and then try to make him, like, it's super gonna be edgy. And- Black Panther. Black Gangster Edition. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the leader of Wakanda, mother. Yeah. No, it's a, it's yeah. a legitimate concern, you know. Dave? 
Oh, well, no, I think um, Aliens vs. Predator is a perfect example of mm-hmm. that, where even, so the first Aliens vs. Predator, I think, was PG-13. Correct. And was, ter- I mean, they were all terrible. But <laughs> then they just went all in. The next one was R-rated, and they were just like, let's make it as violent as humanly possible. That's what people want from this series. And it's like, you don't know what makes nope. your own movies good. And yeah. you're just going to keep pumping them out and ruining your own brand because you missed the point of everything that came before. So, you know, I'm glad Deadpool did well with the R rating because I feel like that opens up more superheroes, you know, to tell different kinds of stories instead of your basic superhero story that we typically get over and over again, you know, to just have better storytelling, even though that wasn't necessarily what Deadpool was about. It's success means you can do something different than you know, whatever they've been doing with the Spider-Man series recently. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, those are both franchises, like Deadpool, X-Men, and uh, Aliens and Predator. They're all Fox franchises, so I'm glad that they've put some distance, you know. Just a side note for all the younger listeners that have to sneak into R-rated movies and don't know about any movies that came out before this era, there have been R-rated comic book movies that have told different stories that are pretty cool, such as Blade, which was the first... <laughs> <laughs> R-rated superhero movie, which Ryan Reynolds is actually part of the franchise. Correct. That's why they made a reference to that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was saying. I hope they make they learn the lesson that like because like it felt like Deadpool and like I mean even Dark Knight and Guardians. Like there's certain the most successful comic book movies really just focused really well on the um the source material more than the generic. These Jimmy Changa. or sold, or the violent sold, or the um, I don't know. Just instead of looking in the broader picture, like I look at focused on this was character it was like Batman was brooding, and that's it wasn't the realism. It was that specific character and how he worked out, and he was a darker character. Whereas like Superman, they learned the long wrong lesson like Superman and Man of Steel. He was not a dark character, you know. So they focus on the wrong thing, and hopefully with Deadpool, they'll, okay, okay, there's a lot of violence and crude humor, but that's because that character has that, you know, and so when they, when they try to do that to the next R-rated crude character, hopefully they'll do it with the right way and focus on the right things. Yeah, I'm almost worried that I'm going to be ruined for the rest of the comic book movies that are coming out this year, because I had a lot of fun with this one in the um, theater. I don't... From the slate that of just 2016, I don't think I'm going to like any of the other ones as much. I'm still excited about Civil War. Okay. All right. I've run out of patience. On to Ruth! Hey, everyone. Speaking of Civil War... <laughs> I'm less excited after this new trailer than I was. Yeah, so, I, I agree. <laughs> The Gosh. new trailer, it showed more of the two sides fighting. Um, we got to see Ant-Man in the trailer. Uh, Black Panther, we got to see more of him. He actually looks kind of beast, um, in yeah. my opinion. He should and be then, a beast. Yeah, basically. At the very end, we hear <laughs> Iron Man say something, something, hey, Underoos, and then thwip, <laughs> you see this very bright color where someone forgot to put in the Photoshop filters um, <laughs> of a very CGI, but Steve Ditko looking Spider-Man. 
No, I mean, it, it looks like he flipped off of a two-year-old's birthday cake, like a birthday cake topper, <laughs> made out of that day glow plastic. You know, he's even got the same pose, like <laughs> happy, happy two-year-old birthday. Like, well, yeah, it's like I, I was like purposely going onto internet f- threads and pointing out, like, do you guys not see the lighting problem with this compared to like? The problem is everyone else has that modern textured look. And then you have this guy coming in with just I don't know, it's it looks so fake and CGI and people are okay, so the defenders are saying, Oh, the high res in- image shows that uh, rah, 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 rah. it's like no. You guys need to I don't know. If they give us be consistent this quality, yeah, people should be a little wary of it. Well, is it 100% CGI? I don't know. But it, I don't it, know. it what, looks like it is, but right. I I almost brought it up about Deadpool too and and you can say it kind of about Black Panther that these masks where they're not showing the eyes anymore and just animating them. Mm-hmm. A little bit. I don't mm. know how effective maybe they are because to show emotions when you don't have the pupils and, and facial features to do it, you have to exaggerate those to really bring out some of that emotion. Otherwise, it's just... I think Deadpool's is going to be a little more subtle than Spider-Man's here. Well, and I think Deadpool's... I think it almost works better for Deadpool. In the fact that he's just like... Like, the WTF, like... I don't know. Like, his expressions are so over the top because he's just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, supposed to be that way a little. Right, right. But with, like, an actual, like, serious, normal superhero, like, I agree. I I think it just kind of... It looks a little strange. It looks off. Yeah, because everything else is almost set in reality. That reality mm-hmm. that the world is created and everything is explained, you know. And suddenly, like, oh, yeah, I created a mask where my eyes animate. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It it does feel out of place. Well, and it's not even the... Okay, so in the 90s, like, I think McFarlane started the craze... Um, and then Eric Larson after where, you know, the, he would emote with the eyes and it would like kind of, you know, change shape. And, uh, Deadpool actually took off of that, I believe. So in this trailer, um, what people are saying is like, these were probably Tony Stark made. You can hear like the whirring of like mm-hmm. the eyes moving. So it's um, not even a Deadpool thing where Deadpool is just naturally reacting. It's, Spider-Man has to manually control his expression of his little goggles, <laughs> which is infinitely worse. So I'm calling it. Deadpool is going to be better than Civil War. Yeah, better be in a what way? Movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. I liked Deadpool, but it, it wasn't gr- that groundbreaking for me. Right, right. I feel like it, like, almost some of the things it made fun of, it did itself. So, like... It takes away some. No, it totally did. You know, if you're going to laugh at something and then do it yourself, then, I mean, you're the butt of your own joke, which. It was just that it was a different take on the whole genre. And Civil War is just going to be Avengers 3, basically. Avengers (laughs) 2, I don't even remember what happened because it was kind of boring. Civil War, at the end of the day, what, eight months from now, I'm not going to remember what happened again because besides Spider Man appearing. It's going to be just let's stick as many famous people into this movie as possible and then half ass on the writing. I mean, I have hope for it because I've thought Captain America has been 
probably the best superhero thing that's come out recently. Not movie, but in terms of the franchise, I think they've handled it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in that sense, yeah. I think it has that going for it. But, you know, once you start getting into, like, like you just said, you start cramming people into a movie and it's like Captain America has been so focused. I think that has been really helpful for it, you know. But, yeah, once you start adding Bucky, O'Hare, whatever his name is, and then you have Iron Man, Ant-Man, Black Panther, you know, Black Widow. Like, it's, yeah, it's basically the Avengers again. And the last Avengers movie was just kind of faded into the background. It's just, like, too much noise, essentially. Yeah, because I don't think they've quite figured out how to adapt the comic book super event into comic book (laughs) movies. You know what I mean? Because yeah. with, with the comic book events, they, they go on for a long period of time, spread across multiple books, which they're trying to do in multiple movies, but at the same time, you don't have the same frequency of the story coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, right. with comic books, at least, if you're reading all the titles related to the event, you'll, you'll have stuff every week, you know, probably multiple. You'll also be broke. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but with the movies, I mean, you pump them out every couple of years, so you're trying to... Oh, well, we got to cram this event that took forever in the comics, too. It's like people adapting long epic novels, you know? So, I, well, I'm mm-hmm. glad they didn't go for the, the Hobbit three-part trilogy, 10-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> but but splitting up into multiple movies same filmed at the same time maybe would have not been a terrible yeah. idea. But the um the comic book part though i mean the one thing i am really excited about the movie though is the story is good and if they do that justice i mean there'll be other things that might be issues but like i'm just really excited to see them tell the story of a civil war between superheroes and how there isn't really a a villain they're just you know there are heroes fighting each other and seeing what they do with that and it could be awful but you know it yeah, looks... you have a point, because usually Marvel movies, the villain is the worst part of the Marvel movies. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they maybe take a page out of the X-Men playbook, which has actually, I guess, balanced between a whole bunch of characters pretty well, but that's because they lead with Wolverine. Charles and Magneto. Like, this is how we're going to see these, or Wolverine, yeah. Um, for some of them, it's like, this is how we're going to see the movie through their eyes and not everybody's going to equal screen, equal screen time, you know? Yeah. So, and then it just builds up to X3 revolution. And then uh, the last, the last stand. stand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. I got confused. Yeah. How could you get that, that wrong? That was Matrix. <laughs> Cause they were both equally <laughs> <They're> bad. Both- <laughs> yep. <laughs> Across the franchises. Hey, it's all Fox. All right. The limited screen time has never bothered me about movies. I mean, it's I thought it was interesting that I made it a Captain America movie because it definitely isn't just Cap, you know. Because Cap has no more stories. <laughs> yeah, he really doesn't. Yeah. And neither does Iron Man. Like, all the characters in it, only... <laughs> People forget that before the Marvel Cinematic Universe blew up, Avengers were all, like, C-tier books that struggled to sell. Well, maybe that's over-exaggerating, but they weren't your A-listers like the X-Men and Spider-Man were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that they made it, and it makes sense, like, because, you know, they are running out of material for them, but I'm still excited because the story itself 
can be if they do it well they could just butcher it and it could just be just god awful you know easily but hoping they won't do that speaking of god awful there was a trailer released that ended up having twice the amount of dislikes (laughs) as it did likes on youtube and the beginning of the trailer they trolled fans of remember this franchise and we're going to make it seem like this is a sequel to that franchise, even though we previously stated in a press release that this is a reboot that has nothing to do with the original. And we're talking about... Care Bears. Paul Feig's <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> I mean, they wasted, you know, like, it took 30 seconds to say, like, two sentences. And and they, like, arguably, they got it wrong. Yeah. So they said 30 years ago, four scientists saved New York or something like that, where in the movies, the first two movies, Winston was not a scientist. Nope. He was like uh, an it wasn't, man, right? It wasn't until Ghostbusters, the video game, which everyone should check out if they want a proper sequel to Ghostbusters one and two they gave winston a phd in that game but the normal public doesn't know that (laughs) they do though jump on your ass when you say four scientists save new york when it just makes i don't know sony pictures or the marketing firm seem like they're idiots who don't understand their own uh, franchise yeah or what makes it work i mean i was more excited for this movie before the trailer came out like i don't care about the female cast and all that yeah, and all the critics that are saying that because you don't like this trailer, you're sexist, yeah. uh, that's just an irresponsible argument. Like, what can they show in the movie? <laughs> if a trailer is supposed to be, like, vertical slices of of the best or, like, you know, funny bit, <laughs> <laughs> and they're <laughs> just bad, <laughs> what's the actual movie going to be like? like? Maybe they're just, like, trolling us hard in all the trailers, and it's actually going to be decent. <laughs> That's the most optimistic view you can take on it. Yeah, I because think... really, the trailer was that bad. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to. You know, the director... I like Bridesmaids. It's funny. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I should watch Bridesmaids trailer. Maybe it was terrible. My problem is, like, <laughs> they approached him several times before he agreed to do it. So there's an argument to be made that he either did not want to do it or he does not understand the appeal of the original. Yeah. I think it is a a tricky franchise in that sense. If you if you have never watched them or it's been a while, if you're not a fan, when you hear Ghostbusters, do you automatically think like a comedy, or do you think like, you know, what impression do you get? I don't know who they're really targeting with this trailer because it feels like they're targeting the gem and the holograms crowd, <laughs> where a studio did not understand the appeal. So of the nobody franchise. really. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're a, what they're, like mid thirty year old women? No, they're targeting the tweens that don't know the original franchise and will have probably no interest in this new one. Ghostbusters to me was never like a comedy. It was a good movie really? that had well, like not like first, not like you know, like what when I think of Ghostbusters, I it don't start Bill Murray and Dan yeah, Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, I, I get, get that. It had funny parts, but it, it's not like. 
It's not a chimichanga yeah, yeah. comedy. Okay. No, right, yeah. no it, it's not like I... <laughs> no, like it's yeah, funny. I get what you're saying. But it's not like a straight comedy. I thought it was a good kind of fantasy movie with some really funny parts in it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I was watching something where Max Landis was commenting on it, and he was saying how, like, the original Ghostbusters was... If you look at how it, sh- it shoots and, I guess, the lighting of it, yeah, it looks like a normal film. It's not what Paul Feig does, whatever he does. I don't know. I like Spy. That was all right. No, but, like, comedies, like, I think what he was saying was comedies nowadays, they have a certain width of shots, certain lighting. So when you look at it, you know mm-hmm. it's a comedy. But, like, what Jared's saying, yeah, it was a traditional, just, like, a normal movie that wasn't taking itself as pure comedy, which... Well, it's, people might misconstrue it as a comedy because of the two leading stars. I mean, if you didn't have Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd as the two main characters, then there's no way it would probably be a comedy. It would just be strictly a, a, f- a movie with funny parts as opposed to people like... Because when I thought about it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. It's not really a comedy. Did you guys freeze? No. No, I'm here. Okay. I just don't um, go from- I'm just very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see it in the same light as like um, Kingsman Se- Service, whatever the hell that movie's called. Uh, yeah. Like Secret you know, Service, which was also another rated R comic book movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny, it's very funny, but I don't view it as a comedy. You know, it's an action movie that has some really funny parts in it. But that's what I mean. That's what I mean. If you had didn't have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, right. yeah. Yeah, I think the problem then is that they're trying to market it too much like a, a comedy. No, they're they're completely marketing it as a comedy. If you have Paul Feig and then four actresses that are all known for comedy, yeah, they're, right. they're totally marketing it as pure comedy. And I think the problem is the writing. They're just trying too hard and it's falling. I'm all for, like, you know, equal gender politics or whatever, but... These women don't seem to have that magic spark that the original cast did. And some of the writing is so horrendous. Um, I wanted to ask Dave, do you find any of the the scenes from the trailers, either the original or the international one, that you find offensive? You know, yeah, I was actually going to say that. Yes. I, I mean, I wouldn't even... No, it is a proper representation of my... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't even know if i would say i was offended so much as i was just like i it's just tiresome <laughs> to hear the person actually say oh so y'all are scientists yeah but i know new york like are you kidding me like so oh another street part street smart black person oh there never seen that before like really you know, and I'm not. I I like I like the actress. Yeah. You know, I think she's oh, funny yeah. and all that. But like, I mean, they even trying with that. Like, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. You know. I, I well, know. even in the like, original, yeah. even though Ernie Hudson originally, you know, wasn't a scientist, he didn't act, you know, street or urban or whatever. He he yeah. was just a normal blue collar guy looking for a job. He didn't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they pull it off, but that's not. That is not the greatest lead-in that I've ever yeah. seen for a character that I'm be like, oh, yeah, I'm really going to like that character. Like, no, not at all. And it's like, yeah, they have that 
oh, she's not a scientist. She's she just yells all the time. <laughs> yeah. And is aggressive. And then in the second international trailer, I think it's even worse. They're like she jumps, tries to crowd surf and no one catches oh, her yeah. and she's yeah. like, "Is this a black thing or a, like a gender thing or whatever?" And so it's like the stereotypical like angry black woman. Yeah. Like that's what it I, sounds like. I think yeah. so Dean, you made a good point about, you know, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, you know, being the comedic part of it. But I think what's so great about Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd is they don't have to tell you that they're funny. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what I feel like this yeah. trailer is. It's like, oh, it's going to be so funny because we have, like, the top four, you know, female comedians yeah, 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 in yeah. the industry. So this is going to be a funny movie. And I feel like you you don't get that in the original Ghostbusters. They, they don't have to, like, sell themselves. You just you know that they're funny. Just looking at like Bill Murray's face when he's being hilarious, it's like he he's stoic. He barely does anything, you know. And that kind of just kind of says his entire presence is just hilarious. He just understands comedy, whereas it's like you have the scream, "Hey, this is we're telling a joke," and we have to go overboard just to catch your attention. I mean, that's well, even watching it as a kid, you know, it's not like, oh yeah, I I love Bill Murray's comedy. You know, I'm a ten year old kid. I have no idea who these people are. I know Ghostbusters because right. of a cartoon I watched. So. Then you go into and our it, lunch boxes, you know, and it's entertaining and funny. You're like, okay, so anyway, it's probably enough bashing on the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just want to say, I don't know. Has anybody seen Spy? Just out of curiosity, I have no. not. It's on HBO. I keep on trying to get a girlfriend to watch it with me, but it's directed by Paul Feig and whatever. People said it was okay. I thought I was gonna hate it, honestly, and. I didn't like I, I saw the preview for it. I was like, this is like that other Melissa McCarthy movie and it's going to be incredibly stupid, but it actually worked somehow. Like they even had an over the top stereotype <laughs> in the, like, I'm not even messing with you, like an over the top stereotype. Yeah, and I was like, this is going to be terrible, but it worked somehow. So I'll, I don't know. I'll give them a little bit of leeway because I like that movie. But you're saying this hope. What I, yeah. What what I saw was just like maybe they just chose like all these jokes and put them in the trailer when really those were just small funny beats within more serious scenes. Like that's what I'm hoping the case is. I have and not that this is the funniest stuff we had and this is the greatest part of our movie. You know so. I have no yeah. hope. This is the same <laughs> studio that tried to reboot RoboCop and made it worse. Um, Still haven't seen that one. So Sony stockholders, Sony picture executives do not know what they're doing. Um, RoboCop tried to go on the same beats as before. No, they didn't even do the same beats. It was horrible. Shouldn't have been remade. In the same vein, Total Recall should not have been touched. Ghostbusters, No. I don't know. A lot of people didn't like Ninja Turtles either. People need to just leave the stuff we liked as children alone. Shirts. All right, you old man. Yeah. <laughs> that was totally a get so, off my lawn rant right what? there. What? It yeah. is, and it's justified. What if, age do people start going senile? But no, the problem is if you're going to remake whatever property, it needs to be at least on the same level. As Mad Max. Don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. No, Mad Max was on the level. 
I don't like to see things fail, but I hope this fails so people will stop rebooting stuff. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <clears throat> Unless the next... Okay. I'll probably watch don't another trailer. Don't support crappy if... remix. I'll watch Shut it on up, man. Sean, you watch Ninja Turtles, okay? You can't see that. <laughs> Not in the theaters. <laughs> I made it through 20 minutes of that, and then I quit it. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Alright, we should probably talk about something that we actually like and is can be positive about. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh <laughs> a friend of, of Jay's and Out of Space Games uh recently successfully launched a Kickstarter called Bermuda Crisis. When he first launched it, actually the first few days. I did not think it was going to fund. Typically, Kickstarters that don't hit like 30% within the first like day and a half don't stand a chance. But he had some some really good reviews come in mid-campaign that I think really just sparked. Yeah, even like late. A stream I would say of funding. almost like midnight hour that really pushed it over the top. Yeah. Yeah, so Bermuda Crisis Discovery Dawning. This is a campaign from Lysander Games created by Jared Warr. So he used to work with me at at my local game store. That's where I first met him. And even back then, you know, we had prototyped to copy. And that was really when I was getting into board games. You know, I had, I had just like played Catan for the first and last time. And uh, Wait, <laughs> is it a Catan, according to Sean? Whatever. Yeah, I think with the Kickstarter, we, he really wanted to just be able to get the game made, reach a wider audience, and... uh I don't know, see it done right. But what I know about Jared, he he's very um I know he did a lot of campaigning himself, ran a lot of demos and played the game with a lot of people and I think that's also I know the last couple of weekends of the campaign he was out there playing it with people just setting up and getting the local gaming crowd. You know, it doesn't have a huge number of backers. I feel like quite a few of them are people that he probably knew uh, either from Michigan or where he is now. But it's good to see that old-fashioned, like, just footwork can help you get stuff done. I don't know. I I hope to get him on to be able to talk a little bit more about the campaign and get some of this, like, what he was going through, what he felt about it as it was going. I think that'd be interesting just to get that insight from, you know, very small publisher. The, the mental stress people suffer when Kickstarter backers are posting stuff. Yeah, there wasn't even that many comments, but, like, so if you haven't, had a chance to check it out. Yeah, look it up on Kickstarter, Bermuda Crisis, Discovery Dawning. It's a really interactive game. I think it does borrow certain elements of, of like trading and the resource management that you do have in Catan, Dean. Yeah, uh, I think it borrows a lot from um, so like real-time strategy video games, especially a lot with the skill tree, mm-hmm. how you can kind of select which, which way you want to play the game. And, and as you ad- advance, you get to select more and more skills. Um, that very much feels like, you know, a lot of the video games that I, I like to play. Yeah, and each one is very unique. They play differently. So in that sense, you could almost call it asymmetrical. I think, I feel like decisions are somewhat fueled by what resources you draw. But with like clever trading and stuff, it's it's pretty fun. And it has different methods to victory. So it's sometimes hard. It, yeah, it's more challenging to figure out like who's got the lead. 
or how well you're doing in comparison to someone else. So for instance, one of the ways to win is to, to attain uh, victory points. Since you hit that number, you win. But there's also a, like, like a timer built into the game. And when the timer ends, there's another victory condition if you have the most number of nature points. But there are cards that advance or slow down the progression of the track ending. So um, things can happen very quick. I feel like it has the flow of the game almost has an exponential growth as you start off. It's pretty standard. Everyone's doing the same thing. And near the end, people are going crazy with their combos. And I don't know. David, you've played it before as well. Yeah. I don't know. I think, well, I think I liked it a lot. Actually, each time I played it, one, because it's easy to set up and it's quick to learn. I think the games go relatively quickly as well. But because it's asymmetrical, you get to, I don't know. I like because it has variety. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to say it. It's like you don't have to always just rely on resources or anything like that. You can play, I don't know, just kind of how you want. So I think you don't have to go all in on yeah. whatever strategy. So on your skill tree, there's essentially three like major upgrades. You can go one upgrade in each and still be competing against the player who has gone, you know, three levels deep into another skill tree. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. You can pick and choose your skills and then pair them with um, the cards that you pick. I can't remember the the name off the top of my head right now, but um, I mean, just using it, it just adds a different amount of excitement to the game each time. Like I feel like every time I played it, it's been different, and people have won in different ways. So, yeah. So yeah, well, we'll try to get him on the show to a live interview, talk to him about it. But I'm looking forward to how. It progresses, you know, especially through the whole process because uh, we are in contact. We can kind of pick his brain about as it continues to get produced, you know, issues with the printing or like the manufacturers and how that's going, how he decided stretch goals and stuff. So, But check it out. There are a couple of videos out there on YouTube, reviews, previews and all that. So I mentioned earlier, if you want to reboot the movie correctly, they should all... So speaking of a way to properly reinvigorate a franchise, Jay's favorite movie of last year, Mad Max, had a big presence at the Oscars. I think it was the Outer Space Games' favorite movie of last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What would you say was better? Not Force Awakens. No. Spotlight? No. <laughs> I mean, the Spotlight's Revenant. a really good movie, but no. <laughs> Dude, Spotlight robbed Rocky of his Oscar. Oh, man. Wait, Creed wasn't nominated for... No, it wasn't. No. Huh. no Yo, why, why do you think Will, Will and Jada actor. were were boycotting? It's because Creed wasn't nominated. <laughs> Interesting. I still haven't seen it. I just heard it was good. So Yeah, so the Oscars were... Uh, well, they occurred in between our last podcasts and stuff. So, Mad Max was nominated up there. Next to The Revenant for the most. I think Revenant had one more nomination. And thankfully, it did not win <laughs> the majority of <laughs> And really, the one, the director, I do not think it deserves. Oh, that one best director? Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. Yeah, really? I guess I can see that, but not really. Yeah. Horrible not, storytelling, not, horrible pacing. Like, uh, 
you're a great director. Oh, it's because of all those stupid sun through the trees <laughs> shots that we saw. The natural yeah. lighting. Oh, my God. It was so technically sound. No. Yeah. Just because you have, like, okay, you have a 10-minute, like, you know, single shot. Cool. <laughs> I mean. They should have just given the Oscar to, like, the state of Alaska or Canada, wherever the hell it was shot in. Yeah. Like, seriously. It was. It's just natural beauty. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think that it's really, like, anything that crazy. I know. I feel like any, like, you know second third year art student could just that's what like, i felt like film student yeah could just go out there and sit out there for a couple of weeks and get some good sunsets and call it a oscar winning performance yeah it's like a it's like a <laughs> it's like a college student in a photography class went on a camping trip and then <laughs> here's all your transition scenes Mad Max did not end up winning best picture best director but it, it got a ton of uh, recognition which i'm glad for just because i Hopefully, it inspired people to watch it. They shot something like 400, some crazy amount of hours. And the director, George Miller, actually had his wife edit it and throw that movie together out of everything. Dang, that's. I don't know if she had it. <laughs> like, it almost feels like they were like, all right, let's just do all the stunts that we can think of and then <laughs> we'll edit it down into a movie. You know, it's not like Max says anything. Right. It's just, you have to be moving this direction of the screen, and then for the second half of the movie, go <laughs> to this direction of the screen. <laughs> he did say like 12 words, yeah. at least. Yeah. But it was just so visually appealing um, with, I don't know, such energy. Because like Miller's like 80-something, and his wife has to be up there too. But they, you know, they're showing more excitement and energy and creativity than most of the movies out there. Yeah. I would just say it makes excellent use of the medium. Like, it's a visual medium. They do almost all their storytelling through film as opposed to, you know, not like Spotlight's a bad movie, but it's a lot of talking, which is not a bad thing. But yeah, Well, yeah, most most of the Oscar nominees are usually plays set on film. Right. And they don't truly, you know, use the full extent of the medium. Yeah, I feel like what Jared, you were saying... There's some parts of that you wish they would have explained more in Mad Max. Yeah, just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm kind of slow when I want to, like, <laughs> it takes me, like. Yes, that's it. That's it. Like, you know, it takes did, me a while did you to watch figure the out what's going ones, on. At least. No, I hadn't watched either of the previous Mad Max. Of oh, the three? Yeah, that probably kind of helps, too. So, well, I, like. You don't need to, really. No. Like, the first time that they did the, like, wi- like the chrome mouth, I was like. <laughs> All right, that's crazy. I want to. I want to know more about this. And then they just do it like more times, but they never explain anything. So, like, okay, I, let me explain it to you, Jared. When they're about to <laughs> go kamikaze, they spray themselves. But why? Like, like, what's the point of it? Like, is it? Does it's it a get ritual. high? Like, or is it like tradition? Like, it's tradition. But I, yeah, <clears throat> I it's think- just like Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be like Tevia. <laughs> no, I think in some ways you're almost like almost explaining the point why they didn't. It's okay. So it. this is the right. type of filmmaking I like, where they're world building without just straight Spoon exposition. Feeding it. I liked it because it was subtle. Um, it's yeah. not like Ghostbusters where they have to explain every <laughs> joke to you. It's not that I didn't like the movie. I liked it a lot. 
I just was a little confused for about at least 45 minutes. Yeah, I think it is. I think well, it's, and like, uh, you mean you didn't understand Matrix 2? <laughs> Which one was that again? <laughs> uh, I've seen all three the of them. The one with the rave and the... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, the at the end, wins, and then a highway chase. I just remember the race. That was that one, right? I just remember, it was so. So not, so not only was the the chrome mouth, but I thought more backstory on Furioso would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I've read some articles saying that he's interested in making like a fourth movie about more about her, which I don't know. I thought that'd be cool because I think she's a really cool character. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I mean, the movie could be called Furiosa instead. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't want any more backstory or origin stories. So, well, comic aren't book you movies, a little curious, like what she had to do to get to be like the general? What's what's he call her? The Imperator. Imperator. I think it would yeah. be an interesting movie. Like, I mean, it would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's needed, but I would watch it if they made it because I do think she probably had to do some like crazy. Yeah. To be like a woman in like you know this like super hot like misogynistic society with a robot like, arm, yeah. <laughs> like I bet you like crazy stuff went down. But I mean, honestly, I love the movie because it didn't. Yeah, like Rashawn, like it was subtle. It like I'm sick of movies and especially TV shows that instead of just showing you something, they have to be like, okay, the characters are doing this because of this, and that's why you should be laughing or feeling this way. Because and it's like it's yeah. like it just makes the ending is just really insulting and disrespectful to the viewers. Like you guys are morons, you can't understand simple things. We need to explain, well, over-explain everything. <laughs> I, I think in general, people are morons. Yeah, so like, but like, okay, in the in the Revenant, it was so annoying when he like started writing their names on the wall, like. Dog, <laughs> you really forget like why you're going back to. <laughs> In case you forgot, audience. Uh, it just makes it more mythic when they don't explain everything. You don't want to go to the length that J.J. Abrams goes to, but you also, I guess, the best example of why you don't need backstories is the Star Wars prequels. You didn't need any of those yeah. ever if you guys haven't checked it out so after that movie came out they make that spray they use it for cake decorating it's like a silver spray paint you know that tastes yeah but um basically if you go to the amazon review page like a whole bunch of people have written it as if they're like the war boys you know they're like <laughs> makes me feel so good before people witness me and before it's as funny as the the blue crystal candy yeah yeah that, yeah that's cool There, see, we talked about a couple things we liked today on the podcast. We don't hate everything. We just hate Exactly. It's true. I think we're honest. I mean. Yeah. And if you if you don't like our hate, don't just hate on our hate. Like, like give, give me a reason why I shouldn't hate it. Because, I don't know, we hate a lot. But if you just, like, don't like it because we don't like something, that's lame. You got to give me, like, a reason why it's good. We don't dislike things arbitrarily. We have our reasons, and we try to do our best to explain our reasons. And you can feel free to disagree. I mean, we even disagree amongst ourselves. Yeah, don't be you like know? Reddit or Salon and just say, oh, because you disagree with me, you're sexist. <laughs> <laughs> how, how often you read Salon there, Sean? <laughs> when it appears on 
whatever <laughs> other linked thing. He has a subscription. Yeah. He falls asleep reading it. That's his favorite. It is on his <laughs> iPad newsstand. His favorite app. No, they have like, they have the worst writers. Everything's sexist. If they disagree <laughs> with it. Because he doesn't like it. That's why. No, but yeah, if you disagree with something or have your own opinions, please write in, comment. Let us know what you think. I think it's really, I don't know. We like hearing feedback from a few of the listeners. We do have a few local listeners that we. We now have five listeners. <laughs> it's been steadily going up. Well, there's five of us on this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we each downloaded twice, so it looks like we have done. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh and Parker, I heard you guys don't like the hate. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear what you want to say about it. <sighs> I don't even know you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hope you had an awesome couple of weeks. Let us know, too, if you want us to play any uh, specific boring games and stuff like that. Um, I did get Kingdom Death, some more of the stretch goals finally shipped and everything. And because Sean's coming into town, we'll definitely try to get some game sessions in and stuff. would like to apologize. We slowed down on the YouTube releases. It's just, it just takes so much time, you know? Like, we still get together and play games, but just the editing and everything involved, I think. Well, and we always, every time we play a game, we always <laughs> screw up the rules at least once. So it's like we have to play a game twice <laughs> to get, like, an actual, like, good video out of it. Yeah, yeah. But we do have some that I'm planning on recording, at least when Sean's here. I think we're going to try to get a play in of Ghostbusters. And yeah. I know Jay's got a couple that he wants to get played, too. So hopefully we'll be able to get a couple play-ins and maybe an unboxing up shortly. But yeah, aside from sharing your opinions, please leave us a review if you get a chance. That really helps us. In addition to let us knowing what you think, it also just helps people find the podcast. But we do have good playthrough videos and unboxings, so make sure you check out the YouTube channel at Out of Space Games. You can also follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook at Out of Space Games, or if you'd like to email, outofspacegames at gmail.com. One thing I was telling the guys before we started recording today we record on, on Google Hangout, so we could do these live because, well, they are live. <laughs> They're just secret. We just never yeah, make it public. But if there is enough interest, maybe for a Call of Cthulhu actual play or one of these other podcasts, like it'd be fun to do a, like, a live viewing of, of a movie. Like, we should watch Mr. Vampire or something. When, I don't we know. can also hate watch B-movies. Yeah. Fantastic Four. I we should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I can't put myself to watch it. I'd have to be like loaded drunk. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what it'll I'll, be. It'll be a nice. How about we get? We'll have some drinks to help us to get the incentive or motivation to make it through. You know, we might need that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like we should watch that. <laughs> Fantastic Together. Four. All right, coming to you soon. So yeah, thanks for joining us. That's all for this week. My name is Jay. My name is Sean. I'm David. I'm Jared. And I'm Dean. This is Out of Space Games. Catch you next time.